0: Welcome to the Teach Me Lit podcast. I'm Sophie Tuvey, and I love talking about books and helping you to revise for English literature and go deeper in the texts you're studying. North and South chapters 21 to 22. Uh, 21 shows Margaret and her father walking home from the Thorntons dinner and they sort of reflect on what they've heard at the dinner. Um, And Margaret refers to Thornton as um, being seen by his workers as a hard man, not so much unjust as unfeeling. Um, and, And she says, when I remember Boucher's half mad words and ways, I cannot bear to think how coolly... Mr Thornton spoke and there is that contrast with the fact that Boucher was sobbing and very emotional um talking about his poverty and Thornton always has that really hard exterior without showing any emotion um so uh, Mr Hale says that Mr Thornton is a man who is far too proud to show his feelings just the character I should have thought beforehand you would have admired Margaret Um, And this is going to be an interesting sort of um, foreshadowing of um, later in the novel and later events. He also says to her, you are quite prejudiced against Mr Thornton, Margaret. And we have, in a sense, a pride and prejudice style structure where these two characters are prejudiced against one another. um, And this is leading to the midpoint, um, which is going to be very similar to that of pride and prejudice, as we'll see as the novel progresses. Um, Now, Margaret talks about how the ladies were so dull, oh so dull. Um, They took nouns that were signs of things which gave evidence of wealth, housekeepers, undergardeners, extent of glass, valuable lace diamonds, and each one formed her speech so as to bring them all in in the prettiest accidental manner possible. So basically, she finds it really tiresome how the women are always name-dropping different things that they've got to show off how wealthy they are. But when they get home Mrs Hale has taken a turn for the worse Um, and it's this turn for the worse that means that Mr Hale finally really understands the situation. Um, And what's interesting is both Dixon and Mr Hale say they're going to stay up all night with her and Margaret's the only one who actually stays awake. Now Margaret again is, is bearing the burden here. And then she decides to go to the Thorntons to get a waterbed for her mother to ease the suffering. But as she gets there, she starts to notice an atmosphere in the town. Um, People are Are there a mass of people buzzing with excitement and there's a thunderous atmosphere and a myriad of fierce indignant voices. Um, She looked round and heard the first long far off roll of the tempest, saw the first slow surging wave of the dark crowd come with its threatening crest. The, um, and she, she doesn't realise what's happening. But this is basically a crowd building in reaction to the news that Thornton has imported workers from Ireland to replace the strikers. Um, and the chapter ends on this note, um, far away the ominous gathering roar, deep clamouring. So in chapter 22, Margaret is visiting the Thorntons to ask for the waterbed, but this situation, of uh, the strike workers um, angrily basically mobbing Thornton's home, um, is is happening at the same time. So Fanny explains this to Margaret. My brother has imported hands from Ireland. It has irritated the Milton people excessively. The stupid wretches here wouldn't work for him. Now they frighten these poor Irish starvelings. So with their threats, we don't let them out. These brutes will neither work nor let them work. And Mrs Thornton is um, watching all the time the, uh, the progress at the gates, which are currently shut. Because as you know, Thornton's house is on the site of the mill. So there's the mill, Thornton's house, and it's kind of uh, enclosed with a yard with a, with a big gate. And then Mrs Thornton sees they're at the gates, they'll batter them in. And Margaret hears this din of angry voices. Fanny um, is screaming uh, in, and throwing herself in hysterical sobbing. Um, and the crowd sort of gives a, a rush. And um, Mrs Thornton realises that they are actually in great danger. Mr. Thornton uh, comes to find them and he says, I'm sorry, Miss Hale, you visited us at this unfortunate moment. Um, He tries to sort of send the the women away, but his mother says, where you are, there I stay. Um, And he says that of the crowd, it is me they want as in rather than the irish workers he takes out his watch with the with the same measured composure which, with which he did everything and he just he says it'll be about 20 minutes before the soldiers arrive and then margaret looks into the crowd and she sees boucher and so she suddenly there's that human connection this man that she saw in higgins's living room Crying and sobbing about his children dying from starvation, and now she sees him basically leading this angry mob outside. Um, And Mister Thornton comes to the window to see who Boucher is, and the crowd let up this demoniac desire of some terrible wild beast for the food that is withheld from his ravening with a with a with a great yell. Um, Now Margaret says can you do nothing to soothe these poor creatures go down and face them like a man speak to your workmen as if they were human beings speak to them kindly don't let the soldiers come in and cut down poor creatures who are driven mad and at this challenge Thornton basically agrees and he goes down and asks her to bar the door behind him. But as Margaret looks at the crowd, she can see more the danger of the situation. Many of them were mere boys, cruel because they were thoughtless. Some were men gaunt as wolves and mad for prey. She knew how it was. They were like Boucher, with starving children at home, enraged beyond measure at discovering the Irishmen were brought in to rob their little ones of bread." Thornton stands with his arms folded still as a statue and they were trying to intimidate him. Margaret felt intuitively that in an instant all would be uproar. The first touch would cause an explosion and she sees the boys in the background taking off their heavy wooden clogs and getting ready to throw them. So she runs out there and runs in front of Thornton. Oh do not use violence. He is one man And you are many. She sends them away and says the soldiers are sent for. But then as someone asks if the Irish are going to be sent back, Mr Thornton says, never for your bidding. Margaret is still seeing um, the lads brandishing their clogs. So she throws her arms around Mr Thornton and makes her body into a shield. I mean, he tries to push her off and says, go away, this is no place for you. Um, But she refuses. Um, and then a pebble comes through the crowd grazes her forehead um, and she basically um, is made unconscious Mr Thornton um, holds her and says to the crowd you do well, you come to oust the innocent stranger you fall, you hundreds on one man when a woman comes before you to ask for your own sakes to be reasonable creatures your cowardly wrath falls upon her you do well um, and then the crowd begins to retreat and they, they mostly leave before the arrival of the soldiers, which actually annoys Thornton because he wanted them to feel the power of authority and order. But as he carries Margaret inside the house, he realises how much she means to him. The sense of what she was to him came upon him so keenly. He spoke out in his pain. Oh, my Margaret, my Margaret, you are the only woman I ever loved and so Thornton has this realisation um, of, of what Margaret means to him now Margaret is, a, is oblivious um, to, to all of this and is, is suffering with this injury um, and Fanny is shocked by what Margaret has done because to embrace a man like that in public would be a complete disgrace for a young unmarried woman to do and so Fanny says um to the servant I know she cares for my brother anyone can see that I dare say she'd give her eyes if he'd marry her which he never will I can tell her I don't believe she'd be so bold and forward as to put her arms round his neck um, and this sort of sets up the fact that now Margaret is in a very precarious situation of having done this public um, act which in her mind was not anything to do with personal feelings for John Thornton but just she felt it was the right thing to do because she'd sent him out into the crowd into the danger and she felt it was her job to protect him Um, but this is going to prove a turning point because now John is aware of his feelings for her and he also feels obligated by duty to propose If you've enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful please hit subscribe and share it with a friend. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter just search for Teach Me Lit. I'm always open to requests so if you want me to talk about a text you're studying get in touch. Thank you for listening see you next time on the Teach Me Lit podcast.